Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke. Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And with the start of fall camp right around the corner with uh, Miami's media day fresh in our minds, uh, Gabby and I went through and, and talked to plenty of players, coaches uh, on Tuesday at UM uh, in this lead-up to fall camp. We got a lot to talk about here going into fall camp. So we're going to share some thoughts, opinions, and the way we're going to kind of have this conversation is just go by position group, I think. So, um, Gabby, I, I, I think we'll just start, start at the top with quarterback. Um, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, obviously the leader of the team. I feel like he's definitely taking on that role. Um, nothing really new was said. I feel like at media day, uh, in comparison to, um, you know, ACC media days earlier in July. Um, but you can tell he's very confident, uh, now that he has that year of experience under his belt, uh, keep saying, uh, that the main thing he wanted to work on this off season was, uh, reading defenses because he felt like last year that kind of got the best of them at times in some situations last year. So that's one area he's looking to progress in as a second year starter. Uh, and really it is noticeable. I feel like Gabby that uh, he seems to be a quarterback that really feeds off Mario's intensity and hard work mantra. You know, I, I think Mario's vibe is definitely going to, going to be a good fit for like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, I guess, defensive players in general, right? Cause Mario's a super intense guy. Um, I feel like Tyler's all about that life too, which I think is cool to see um, because I, I don't know if every quarterback is necessarily going to be um, in alignment with those vibes. And, and that's something that Mario's going to have to go out and find uh, on the recruiting trail. But in terms of inheriting a quarterback, that's about that life. It seems like Tyler is that type of guy. I guess, Gabby, you know, I don't know how much you got around Tyler yesterday or spoke to Frank Ponce, the quarterback coach, or Josh Gaddis, or heard them speak about Tyler yesterday. Um, 
but yeah, do you have anything to add there with Tyler or just what are your expectations uh, with Tyler during fall camp? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about Tyler. And I mean, just kind of talking, I talked to him about Jakari Brown a little bit. You know, he kind of had the media circus around him and a lot of people getting his attention. So I did get to spend, you know, some one-on-one time talking with him about, uh, you know, the freshman. And really, I think a lot of, it's, I feel like it's a lot of what you say, David, like kind of like the, the demeanor, like, you know, what, how he carries himself. Again, it feels like, it feels like he's a quarterback Mario Cristobal would have recruited because he has that type of mentality. I feel like they're, I feel like they're just a good fit together. Like, again, he almost like echoes the same sort of things that Mario Cristobal says. It feels like he's just like a quarterback that's bought in on what his head coach is doing almost as though, as if he has been his quarterback for a few years, it feels like he just kind of gets it. And I think that's so important. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about the fit and, you know, the offense will probably be slightly different than maybe we saw under Rhett Lashley. Like, I'm not expecting it to be exactly the same, but I think he's the perfect guy to kind of, you know, to, I think he's the perfect guy to adopt if you're a first year head coach. I think he's a, a, that he's just, you know, the kind of the unquestioned leader. He, you know, he still kind of has a chip on his shoulder. I feel like he's confident now. And, uh, you know, again, I feel, I feel, it feels like he's kind of like the face of the program. And again, it doesn't seem like he's shying away from that. And I, th- I think you want that from your quarterback, someone who's going to, be that type of guy. And I think he has that, which is important to me. And I think it's, it, I, I just think it's obvious now. I think it's known that he has those sort of characteristics, characteristics that you want when you're, you know, going to play a couple of tough games, going to Texas A&M early, going to Clemson later in the year. I feel like Tyler, Tyler is the, the guy that they're going to sort of rally around. Jake Garcia um, spoke with the media as well at media day. And uh, you know, this is nothing new, but he's just a guy with, with that it factor um, guy. He's a guy with a magnetic personality. Um, I think the most, the most noticeable thing is, you know, just from a physical standpoint, he's definitely done plenty of work in the weight room in, t- in terms of uh, adding mass to his frame, which is good to see that he's put in work in that regard. Uh, but, but I think the most important or noticeable thing that he spoke about was how the past year was pretty humbling for him. He told a story about how uh, the day before the Central Connecticut State game, he was baptized uh, by the team pastor. And the next game, as we all know, he sustained an ankle injury that required surgery. So he admitted, you know, he, he even joked, he's like, man, I, I had to ask Pastor Mike, like, did you baptize me in some bad water? Like, why did this happen to me the day after I got baptized? Um, and, you know, he, he did admit he was, he was down as most players fresh off an injury get uh, from a mentality standpoint, but he picked himself up and decided that this was an opportunity to study the game plan, uh, you know, be more involved in that game planning process from week to week. Uh, He embraced kind of being that heartbeat of the team, getting guys going on the sideline, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know, being injured, of course, not something he would have wanted, but he did try to look at it as an opportunity to grow in other areas around the game. So, um, you know, Jake's Jake's sticking around Miami when a lot of quarterbacks, I think, would have entered the transfer portal with his talent and with his ability to go start at other power five programs. Um, so I'm excited to see how he continues to grow and develop Gabby. 
I'll let you talk about Jakari Brown. Uh, I know you, you did a freshman notebook on Inside the U. Go check that article out if you guys haven't subscribed already. A ton of juice uh, on this freshman class and what guys are, are thinking and saying about uh, the young players coming into camp. But Jakari Brown, what's what's the vibes there? Um, what what do the teammates and coaches feel about him? Because he's a guy that's been here since the spring. So uh, there is some, uh, like, they, they, they do know him well by now. Yeah, I, I think he's another one. I mean, Jakari Brown is someone that I feel like just keeps impressing people around the program. And, again, I, I said I talked, uh, you know, a little bit one-on-one with Tyler Van Dyke. And, you know, he was talking about, like, you know, Jakari can throw the ball just as far as I can. And, you know, he's a freak in the weight room that he came in at, you know, 190, 195 is already up to 215. You know, talking about how you put on 20, 25 pounds. Uh, you know, how he's kind of growing in his pocket presence. Mentioned how, you know, as a high school player, he would rely on that athleticism a lot. And he would just kind of bail from the pocket you know, maybe, uh, you know, a counter two too soon. And, uh, you know, he's learning how to stay more patient and to, you know, kind of trust his reads and go through them and stuff like that. And, you know, again, I think all the feedback was, was pretty positive. Uh, you know, talk to a couple, even of the young receivers and they just, everyone kind of talks about how Jakari kind of attacks every day with the mentality, like that he's competing for a job now. And, you know, while understanding he's still developing. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, again, people in the program are, you know, excited about him, excited about, you know, kind of the, the mindset he has, the work, the work ethic that he has, how he puts it all together. Uh, Jalil Skinner is his, is his roommate, and they talk about how they go into the IPF all the time, run routes, throw, you know, throw things. If they don't get it right, they'll run it back again. They'll make sure they get it right. They'll go upstairs, watch film. So, you know, these guys that know that they're probably not going to be relied on this year, it seems like, you know, behind the scenes there, they're definitely getting themselves prepared for 2023 and beyond. So I think that's a good sign. Which is a big key for this program because that has not always been the case with these young guys that aren't expected to play. One thing to add, Gabby, I know both you and I have heard uh, from people inside and around the program that yeah. Jakari hit 22.3 miles per hour on the team's GPS uh, you know, tracking system during these summer workouts, which is freak type stuff for a wide receiver, let alone a quarterback. So we all know about his physical prowess. Um, I, that's continuing to improve in this UM strength program. And, and now the key for him is continuing to develop as a passer and, and do that skill work, uh, which he knows and, and he's busy doing. So the clay is there to be molded to be an absolute freak of nature college quarterback. So um, it's going to be fun to see uh, how he pushes Jake for you know, not only the backup job this year, but potentially the starting job uh, next off season. How about running back, Gabby? Uh, we don't have to talk about every single guy, but I do think it's a position group that's interesting because um, there are there's five guys there that are all talented that all bring kind of different skill sets to the field. I want to cut this conversation off though at a top three. If you were to project who are the top three running backs in carries at the end of the season, who would you project as that top three being? Yeah, I mean, I still don't know what order this will be in, and this might be a little hot take, and, you know, I'm not afraid to go there. So I'm probably going Henry Parrish, Jalen Knight, and, and Trevante Citizen. Right. And you you think the hot take element would be Trevante right. cracking that top three? Yeah, cracking that top three maybe over a Don Chaney type. 
or Thad. I think Thad's in the yeah, mix yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, of course, and Thad. Yeah. Tell me about Trevante. Why do you? Why are you hot? Because I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not pushing back on that top three. Um, what makes you say that though? I mean, I think just even just kind of looking at him, right? Like he looks like a call. He, he doesn't look like a true freshman running back. And, you know, obviously a kid that a lot of schools in the SEC wanted, uh, you know, this is a guy that could have gone to Florida LSU and, you know, probably, probably made an instant impact. And I think, uh, you know, Miami does have obviously a lot of mouths to feed. You mentioned five guys, but I mean, just kind of t- even talking to people around the program, it feels like he's kind of ready to go. And, you know, he, he's, he's someone that I think from a, you know, just purely talented, like, again, kind of projecting to like the next level. I think he ha- he potentially has yes. the ability to be the best pro out of any of these guys. And, you know, that's, I, I think that, especially at running back, I think that's a position, like if you're good, it's going to be obvious early that you're better than, you know, then, then you're better than some of these other guys. So I think Trevante, you know, maybe not right away, but I could see once, you know, Trevante kind of gets in a role and they feel like, okay, like he's actually doing it. I could see them letting him loose and, you know, just allowing him to be a part of this. I'm not saying he's going to lead the team in carries or not even saying he maybe he's second on the team, but I could absolutely see him, you know, being third and, uh, you know, competing with Don Chaney and Thad Franklin for, you know, that third spot. Yeah, the key for a guy like Trevante or or a true freshman running back in general is going to be that pass protection element. Um, That's a big hurdle for any freshman running back to have to clear. Um, But you mentioned it, you know, in terms of just physically impressive running backs on this roster, it's Trevante. And honestly, I don't, I don't think it's close to, you know, number two, it can be a discussion as to who number two is. Um, But Trevante looks the part, looks like an NFL back by his body type already. Um, So we'll see. I mean, I, I think with Trevante, it's going to be a gradual process um, in terms of the amount of carries he gets. I, I think month by month by month of the season, those carry numbers should grow for Trevante. Um, but yes, I'm with you at the end of the season. I think he will be top three in carries on this team. Um, and if he balls out, you know, he could be the guy by the the key month of November. Um, Jalen Knighton, I think it's worth touching on. He's gained up to 10, he's gained 10 pounds up to 190 pounds. Last year he played at 180, says he's feeling good, says his main goal this offseason was gaining weight. Um, and he accomplished that goal while maintaining his speed. Um, so yeah, and Don Chaney, you know, Mario had a lot of good things. Mario Chris had a lot of good things to say about Don Chaney in terms of he's finally. He basically uh hinted that he's finally kind of clearing that mental hurdle of the recovery process from the ACL injury, because a big part of that is, uh, trusting your knee again. Um, and it, it sounds like Don is getting to that point and then the conditioning level, et cetera, will follow. So they do have better depth, uh, than they did last year at the running back spot. Henry Parrish, the old Miss transfer of course is, you know, I think for especially the first month of the season, I kind of pencil him in as the starter at running back. Um, I personally think Jalen Knighton will lead the team in rushing yards uh, for the season, but they're gonna they're gonna split the carries plenty and, and let these guys kind of determine with their production um, who gets the most snaps. Wide receiver. Uh, this is a big question mark, Gabby, that probably the biggest, I mean, I don't think it's probably, which is interesting because last year the running game was so poor. Uh, 
Um, it's not that big of a question mark this year. Um, wide receiver is, which was an element that, you know, Miami had in a pretty good spot last year, but with Charleston Rambo and Mike Carley moving on to the NFL, um, they need a guy to step up. Like, I don't think my take on this group is there's talent there. They have guys that can do it. It's just a matter of who's going to step up and snatch this opportunity. Um, I don't know, Gabby, what is, what is your early take on this group? Cause I know for me, as this, as fall camp approaches, I'm kind of just leaning towards, and I know the fan base loves the younger guys. And by the younger guys, I mean like the 2022, uh, sorry, the 2021 cycle guys like Romello Brinson, Jacoby George and Bashard Smith. But I'll admit, man, as we get closer this season, I'm kind of just drawn to the older guys, Keyshawn Smith, uh, Frank Gladson, Xavier Restrepo. I think, in my opinion, and from the little bit I'm hearing behind the scenes, I think there's a not a clear gap, but I think there is a gap there um, between those older guys and those younger guys. What are you expecting from this group in fall camp? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm gonna, probably going to be looking at these younger guys to see if they could take that next step. And again, you know, the recruiting rankings and, you know, all three of those guys, I think, ended up being four stars. I think, you know, Melo, Richard were both, uh, you know, high in that top two, four, seven. You know, of course, like you want to see those guys take the next step. I mean, if Romelo Brinson is back from that that shoulder injury or whatever it was that he had, you know, can he contribute? Is he going to be ready to go? And, you know, Brashard Smith, can he kind of take that next step? I mean, Jacoby George, he flashed. Can he be consistent? So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have my eyes on the on the younger guys for sure. But, I mean, again, when it's when it comes to guys, I feel like, we, you know, Tyler Van Dyke can depend on. I feel right. like, again, it's, it's, it's a few. I feel like Xavier Restrepo is going to be one. But I don't think you want your slot receiver being your your you know your guy. Can Keyshawn Smith take that next step? I think that would be massive. I, I mean, I don't know if we've seen the best of Keyshawn Smith yet. Uh, and then Frank Ladson. I think Frank Ladson's a, a a big one. I think he could. I think Frank Ladson. You know him kind of hitting and him doing. You know, kind of again, just kind of being that guy for Tyler Van Dyke. I think changes the whole trajectory of the offense. If Frank Ladson doesn't do that or just isn't you know that type of guy, just kind of him being big, fast, tall, strong all that type of stuff. If he can be the, you know, not saying from a production standpoint, but if he can be, if he can fill in for Charleston Rambo and maybe be that type of guy, I think that would be huge. So, I mean, I'm going to be looking at Frank Ladson. I'm going to see if any of these young guys take that next step. And, you know, I think Mr. Consistency is going to be Xavier Restrepo and then a couple other guys with just a lot to prove. I think even, you know, kind of hearing Tyler Van Dyke talk, it sounded like, it sounds like he, he doesn't even really know yet who it's going to be that's going to take that next step. I, I don't think, think anyone's separated themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot, a lot's up in the air right now at, at wide receiver. The young guys are talented and you could argue they're more talented, but they need to, they need to grow up. And, and I right. don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that from a standpoint of like, they need to get to the point where they have that approach of everyday matters. Uh, you know, that's something that, Xavier Restrepo does that's you know Keyshawn and Frank um you know they take they take practice seriously and um they have a pro mentality I guess is the best way to put it so uh that can certainly happen for these younger guys this fall camp and you could make the case that that would be the best case scenario for this group let's before we move on to tight end Gabby who is your early prediction on 
the guy that leads the team in receiving yards at the end of the year? Dang. In, in receiving yards, again, I mean, I'm going to, you know, lean maybe towards Ladson. I think he might have to be the guy. I would go Ladson as well. Um, offensive line. So this was the one newsy thing I feel like that came out of media day. And that would be Zion Nelson uh, needed a quote unquote tune up. According to Mario Cristobal, Zion was made available at media day. He said it was, it was a little like scope. So a little arthroscopic um, procedure on his knee. Um, Everyone, everyone inside the program is kind of brushing it off as not a big deal. Zion's brushing it off as not a big deal. Um, Gabby, is this a big deal? Like what, at what point do you feel like, okay, if Zion misses this game, it becomes a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I think if, cause it sounds think... like, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm not reporting this, right? Yeah. It sounds like he's not going to play game one, potentially game two. Yeah. I, and I think if he were to, again, I, I mean, I don't, again, we're not reporting this. I mean, if you're not ready, if he's not ready to go by Bethune Cookman, I think that would be, you know, of course, concerning, but I think if he misses what second game is Southern Miss. Yes. I mean, I think if he misses Southern Miss, I mean, I, I, I that's when I'm going to start feeling maybe, maybe a little panicky depending on, you know, how a guy like John Campbell looks. But again, I mean, I think we saw it when Zion kind of went, you know, first game out there against AM where they kind of like, you know, I don't know if he was completely ready and I mean, against Alabama. And, you know, I don't think that went particularly well. Um, you know, if his first game of the season again is against a, a Texas A&M who's going to throw, you know, four or five right. different, you know, edge rushers at him that are all going to be fresh. Uh, you know, again, I'm just, I'm not going to like the way that that could potentially go. So I would like for him to get into that Southern Miss game, kind of, you know, get, a, get you know, his feet on the ground and all that stuff going into to A&M. So that, at that point is when I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty concerned here. This is me editorializing and just putting my own opinion on this because, you know, I've, I've covered this team for 15 years. I, I've kind of seen how these preseason injury situations go. My personal expectation is, look, I do. I would assume they have that Texas A&M game circled on the calendar, and that could be best-case scenario return situation for Zion. I think that is on the table. Um, but I also think at the same time, you know, if it, if it doesn't make much sense to push him and get him on the field for that game, I could see them waiting until ACC play against North Carolina on what October 7th or 8th. So, you know, I, I think that's the window. Um, And maybe, maybe it just makes sense to shelf them and get them totally, totally right for that North Carolina game. Again, that's just me editorializing. I think of course, if he's good and ready to go for Texas A&M, that's best case scenario. Um, It's just, You know, he was in a significant leg brace and, you know, you don't just pop out of those things. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's the best way to view it. You touched on it, though. So John Campbell is expected to now be the left tackle, at least for fall camp. We'll see how game week goes when we come to that point. Uh, But for fall camp, John Campbell's going to be the left tackle. You checked in with people, Gabby, that know John Campbell well. Um, 
coaching him in some facet um, and you get a lot of positive feedback on him. Explain. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so, someone that, he, that he's worked with a lot in the offseason, Torian Wilson, he's a you know, former Miami Northwestern uh, U, and a UCF lineman, you know, kind of checked in with him about Campbell. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think really the feedback was 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 pretty positive, you know, kind of, you know, talking about how he's really light on his feet. He, you know, he, he described him as having ballerina feet and, uh, you know, someone that's really athletic, that understands the position well. He's a fifth year, he's a fifth year redshirt junior. And, um, you know, so he's, he's been around the college game for a long time. And, you know, you know, just talking to Wilson, it kind of sounds like it's Campbell's, this is Campbell's time. You know, this is an opportunity that he's been sort of waiting for. He believes in his mind that he's a left tackle. Um, and so again, this is just going to be an opportunity for him to kind of get on the field. Potentially we'll see obviously with Zion, um, you know, and just kind of prove that he can be that type of guy. So um, again, if John Campbell capitalizes, I think that would be best case scenario for Miami, you know, kind of looking forward to the rest of the year. Cause if Zion return, you know, comes back, you know, I think you could feel comfortable about maybe throwing, you know, John Campbell in at right tackle and, you know, maybe, you know, you know, it, it, I feel like it just gives them more pieces. So, um, I feel again, just kind of having those conversations, it feels like, you know, John Campbell is someone that can do it, you know, talking to someone else that's kind of been around the program in the past. Uh, you know, they, they, they went as far as to say that John Campbell had a better spring back in 2021 than even Zion Nelson did. So, uh, he's impressed people in the program before Mario Cristobal obviously had really high praise during that Tuesday press conference saying, you know, he's going to be one of the best players in the conference. And then eventually in the country, I mean, that was, you know, I think that's strong. big coming. Yeah. Too that's strong. very, very strong. Yeah. Bold. Maybe, um, you know, maybe trying to instill some confidence in him, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, that's a that's a big, bold claim from, you know, the head coach who's obviously an offensive line guy. So we'll see. Um, you know, Jerry's still out on John Campbell, but I think there is some reason to feel optimistic about what he can potentially bring. I'll say this, like Miami's had, what, three offensive line coaches in the last four years. Every new offensive line coach falls in love with John Campbell. Uh, Butch Berry loved him. Garen Justice loved him. I've been told Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal are extremely high on him, which was reflected in those comments um, that Mario made at media day. Now, I don't think we've necessarily seen that translate to the field yet, but you know, whatever John Campbell's doing behind the scenes or showing and practice, et cetera, et cetera. It, it is impressing every offensive line coach that he has played for at Miami. So there is talent there. Um, we just got to turn that talent into consistent play on the field. Um, and now that he's an older guy, maybe we will see that. Hopefully we will see that. Um, in terms of the rest of the offensive line, uh, Ja'Kai Clark, Jalen Rivers, um, all spoke to the media. Jalen Rivers says he's feeling good. Got his knee feeling as strong as it's ever felt. Uh, he, of course, is coming off a knee injury last year that ended his season early. Um, Justice Oluwashon, I, I felt is looking good. He talked about how he's feeling as strong as he's ever felt squatting 700 pounds. Logan Sagapolo, another 700 pound squatter. I, I asked him, I'm like, is that your PR? And he was like, no, I, I did 835 in high school. Um, oh, just, so, just casually 835. Yeah, no big deal. MBD. Um, DJ Scape was there. Uh, so, you know, I think there's kind of like a clear cut seven or eight offensive linemen right now. Uh, 
that these coaches have separated from the group, and that would be Zion Nelson, Jalen Rivers, Ja'Kai Clark, Justice Oluwashone, DJ Scaife. John Campbell, to me, is that like swing tackle guy right now who's going to be elevated to the uh, first team to start camp. Then you got Logan Sagapolo, who's competing for a right guard spot. And then Usman Treyor, I think, is that eighth guy. Um, so we'll see if more of these offensive linemen emerge, kind, kind of crack that rotation. Um, and, and honestly, Gabby, like, I feel good about this group going into the season. This is the group that has by far improved the most since the arrival of Mario Cristobal, partly because of scheme, partly because of Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal's teaching and developing ability. Um, so, you know, I really don't have any concerns there. Uh, I guess I skipped the tight ends. Let's not skip the tight ends because that is a freak show group. Uh, Will Mallory, Mr. Senator holding court at media day. Uh, you know, I feel like Gabby, I feel like you admitted to kind of having like a man crush on him. I don't know. I don't want to put words <laughs> in your mouth, but you're like, I, I mean, just... I mean, maybe, maybe slightly. I don't know. I don't know how I feel right now. But yeah, uh, Will Mallory, good amb ambassador to the program. Nothing new there with Will, but Elijah Arroyo definitely looking the part uh, in year two of his college career. Got his body fat percentage down to 8% while maintaining his weight at 250 pounds. Looks like a unit. Um, and gained speed and picked up speed. Picked up speed. Yeah, he said he's cracking 21 miles per hour now. And last year he said he never cracked 20 miles per hour. So, you know, uh, just body, a freak show. Yeah. yeah. Just body insane. fat down, speed up. Uh, and then Jaleel Skinner, I know you spoke to him. Tell us about what he was telling you as well. Cause he looks, I mean, he's skinnier at this stage, but he, you can tell he's going to be big time too. Yeah. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be like legit down the road. And again, just kind of talking to Mallory about him. You know, again, I think everyone just kind of knows he's kind of like a freaky unicorn type of prospect. You know, like he's a big time, you know, catch, catch radius, um, you know, kind of fixing a lot of his movements. I think he's a more like a more fluid mover now than he was when he first got here. It sounds like he's kind of developing that pro mentality that he understands what it is to be a college football player. Like, like you know, Will Mallory was kind of talking about like, you know, he's always been the, the guy growing up. He was always the best player on his team, you know, in, in elementary school, middle school, high school. And, uh, you know, he's getting to he's at a point now where, you know, people are just as big, just as fast, just as strong as he is. And, you know, I feel like it took him maybe a second to kind of adjust to that. But he feels like he's fully bought in. And, you know, I think he can do maybe some things in 2022. But, you know, Will Mallory was really excited about what him and uh, Elijah Arroyo are going to be in, in 2023 as well. So, right. um, you know, I think, uh, I, I think the consensus is that, you know, Jalil has, uh, you know, some, some bright days ahead of him. Another guy that did you mention he cracked 21 miles an hour? Yeah. Another one that cracked 21 miles per hour. Just like a freaky athlete. Like, yeah, just, I think he's like six, five ish two fifteen. So I think he came in a little bit lighter than that. So, you know, I think he's just got to continue to add weight. Yeah, he said he's now to 225, I think. There but you yeah. go. Oh, okay, there you go. Um, still still as the frame to put on yeah. 15 more pounds or so. Right. You know. Um, all right, let's wrap up this offensive side of the ball with, you know, just Josh Gaddis talk. Um, you know, I feel like when he spoke to the media at Media Day, what one word he used over and over again was creative. And, you know, 
I liked hearing that because while I don't have an issue at all with the Rhett Lashley style of offense, um, if there, if there is one critique of it, it's that it is basic and it's basic by design, right? Like they just want to get the ball. Uh, they want to play tempo, get the ball quickly to the athletes at space, et cetera, et cetera. Gaddis is going to be more creative with his play designs. Uh, and so he made it clear, like he's still kind of evaluating the offensive personnel. Um, he admitted, you know, look, there was, there was some guys that were hurt in the spring and uh, I got to learn what they can do, how I can put them in the best positions to succeed. Um, I think he understands that he's got a stud at quarterback, a really strong tight end room. He is extremely high on Will Mallory. He said something to the effect of if we had 85 Will Mallory's, we would, we would win a ton of games. So he loves Will Mallory. I think he, I think he feels pretty good about the offensive line. Uh, I feel like he, he understands he's got some depth at running back and he made it clear. I mean, this is his position group too, that, you know, receiver group has to step up, but they do have talent. Um, I feel like he's going to work, you know, different parts of the field too, which is something that maybe the Rhett Lashley offense didn't really do. Um, you know, there's going to be inside run game, outside run game, offensive linemen working pin and pull schemes, tight ends will be in motion, block on the perimeter and used in the passing game. Uh, running backs will be worked heavily in the passing game. And, you know, I, I feel like if you go look at it, at the personnel he worked with at Michigan, you know, and we compare it to this Miami team, Miami has the better quarterback. It's not really close. Michigan has the better offensive line. But I don't feel like Miami's line is necessarily bad. It's just not like I, I believe the Michigan line won the Joe Moore Award. Um, yeah, they did. So Miami's not line isn't that bad, but or that good. But Miami's line isn't. They're not trash. They're they're gonna be. I think they're gonna be upper echelon of the ACC. Um, running backs, you got to give the edge to Michigan. But again, I don't think that's a big gap. Receivers to me are equal. I don't think Michigan's receiver group was all that great last year. And honestly, I feel like Miami's group has more upside. They just got to go prove it. Tight ends, Miami has the advantage. So, you know, what I'm getting at is, look, it wasn't like Josh Gaddis's Michigan offense last year had crazy personnel in terms of like skill talent. Um, but he was able to still average 35 points per game with what he had to work with there. And he leaned into the strength of that offense, which was the offensive line. So um, he's a guy that is going to adjust his system accordingly to the personnel he has to work with, which is honestly, that's, that's kind of rare at the college level. Like that's kind of like an NFL type of thinking from a play caller standpoint, most college guys just kind of, this is my offense. I'm going to run it. You guys have to, you guys better be able to run it or you're not going to play. I feel like Gaddis is going to be more creative and uh, kind of lean or put these players in positions um, to do what they do best. Was there anything that stood out to you about Gaddis? Um, I mean, I think it's, I only talked to him about a couple of the young guys, but um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of hearing him talk just overall, you know, over different points of time. I mean, I would definitely agree that, uh, you know, he's definitely more personnel driven rather than just like, this is my scheme and this is what we're going to run. Right. And I think he is excited about what they have. And, uh, 
You know, I think he obviously wishes maybe they had a little bit more wide receiver, um, but, you know, he's working on going out and getting those guys via, you know, recruiting and, and those types of things. So, um, you know, I think it's just going to come kind of, kind of come with time. Uh, uh, you know, I think overall, I think he's going to make this offense work. And again, like kind of hammering that home, I think the tight ends are going to play a major role here. All right, let's take a break. And then on the other side, we'll get into the defense. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Gabby, to me, the story of the defensive line is the transfers. Uh, This group has been totally retooled since the end of the 2021 season, and it needed to be. Uh, They needed bodies. They needed talent. um, They needed competition, quite frankly, for the guys that are coming back. Um, One guy that is noticeably impressive-looking from a body type perspective, is Mitchell Agude. Um, and the more the more you hear about him, the more you you see, you see him in person. To me, Gabby, it's it's pretty clear that Agude is going to be a monster addition to the pass rush this year. Yeah, I, I've been. I feel like I've been Team Agude. Um, you know, uh, I think he's going to be a big time. And again, I don't. I mean, Miami's had the great pass rushers with Jalen Phillips. Uh, you know, Greg Russo, those types of guys. We had, you know, maybe even Gerald Willis from the interior. But I think Aguda is that type of guy that can come in and and be that, you know, kind of bring that back after a, a hiatus. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I'm I'm super excited about Aguda. He looks awesome physically. I feel like the first time I kind of saw him in person, I was just like, okay, yeah, like this dude just kind of has it. So I'm really excited about Mitchell Aguda. And I think he definitely elevates the, you know, the pass rush that this defense is capable of of producing. Akeem Mesador, another impressive-looking guy physically, the West Virginia transfer, kind of a pass-rushing defensive tackle type. The big thing with him is he he did kind of say, like, he's still kind of working his way back from a shoulder deal he sustained back at West Virginia. Um, so he's, you know, 80 to 90% uh, fully healthy there with that shoulder deal. But he's a guy that's just an older guy that's been there before and going to bring that pro mentality to that room. Uh, Jafari Harvey, Rod Wright spoke with him a little bit about Jafari. He said, nobody on the defense plays harder from Jafar than Jafari. Um, And, you know, he said, if a guy is is willing to play as hard as Jafari is from snap to snap, I can fix almost everything else in his game. So, He's kind of that firecracker in the room. I think Agude and Harvey uh, are going to be pretty solid defensive ends this year. Uh, 
And I think the, the biggest area of improved consistency for the D-line is going to be on the interior, where you have guys like Mesador, Daryl Jackson's huge. Did you get any eyes on Daryl Jackson out there? Oh, yeah. Day? I mean, he's, he's, a, he's just a freak show. So he's 6'6", 320 now. Um, That's 7'2", wingspan. Yeah, just massive. Everything's yeah, massive. Just wild. Yeah, it's just um, insane. So he's coming for some jobs. And, you know, Jake Lichtenstein is a is a big dude as well, uh, in terms of length. Uh, I feel like Antonio Moultrie is kind of a forgotten guy, but he's a guy that produced a lot at UAB who could definitely be a factor in the rotation. Sure. Uh, and look, I asked Joe Salavea about Leonard Taylor. And Joe kind of mentioned too, like, look, yeah, we just got to keep pushing him. He's a young guy that flashed a lot of talent, but he's still learning how to be a pro, still learning how to go about things with the right approach day in and day out. And Joe kind of hopes that these older guys rub off on Leonard in terms of taking care of those little things that do matter uh, on a day-to-day basis if you want to fulfill your potential. Everyone knows Leonard Taylor is a freak show talent. Um but you still have to be, uh, you know, you still got to be a pro every day, not just on game days. So uh, I feel much better about this defensive line overall than I did when the 2021 season ended. And I think you could make the argument. It's the strength of the defense. It's either, it's either them or DBs. Um, I don't know. I feel really good about this defensive line though. I mean, I feel, I'm feeling great about the defensive line. And again, uh, you kind of, I mean, Miami was, you know, won seven games realistically last year without these, what, I guess six additions. Um, you know, I think they had some games where, you know, they were pretty productive overall. Uh, you know, obviously it wasn't great, but, you know, I guess they had some moments. And, you know, I, I think with all of these guys, again, I think it just from a depth standpoint, from, again, what it's yes. supposed to look like on a, on you know, on a larger scale, like, you know, this is, it's just going to be like guys that were starting last year are going to be like guys that are rotating in or, you know, guys right. that were, you know, again, like a, even an, an Elijah Roberts type, like, you know, I think he's someone that can factor in, but are you going to depend on him? Like, you know, you know, for 20, like, you know, 30 snaps a It'll game, make maybe him not. Better, yeah, honestly. exactly. And I think it's just, I think the depth is just what, I think it's just more of what it needs to look like. If you're, if you're, if you're seriously talking about competing, you know, for an ACC title, and all that stuff right. uh, again. This is what it needs to be, and uh, I think Miami did a really good. I think they did a really good job of of adding to that defensive line. And you talked about Antonio Moultrie. Like I feel like he's the kind of the forgotten one of all the transfers, yeah. but he was like an all conference player at one point at in, in in you know at UAB. Uh, you know, so he's a guy that can get it done. Yeah. Uh, Career wise, he's you're right. the most productive. I think. Yeah, he's been, probably been the most accomplished. I think Jake Lichtenstein again, uh, just an older veteran guy that I think is he's coming in here with the right mentality. Another one that's really long, like, you know, we kind of saw him yes. flash in the spring game. You know, it's these guys that maybe aren't getting all that type of love who I think could end up being real contributors. Are, are they going to, you know, lead the team? Are they going to make all those wild plays? But I think they are guys that you throw into the mix and it's like, you got to be feeling much better about this, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's, are there superstars? I think that's to be determined, but there's yeah. a lot of good players and For they're sure. going to come at teams in waves. Um, so yes, it's it's been totally overhauled, and if this defense, which I expect, if this defense takes a pretty big step forward this year, year over year, that D line is going to be a big reason why. Uh, linebacker, I think the main thing to touch on there is Caleb Johnson. 
yeah. you know, the, the transfer from UCLA. He uh, sounds like he's going to start at middle linebacker, which isn't all that surprising. He did play both middle and weak side at UCLA, but he's going to get a chance to show what he can do uh, running the show at, with Miami's defense. So that's a good sign. Um, you know, I, I feel like everything else is kind of what we already know. Keontre Smith talked to him about he's now up to 230 pounds, uh, which is a big, big difference from what he played at last year. He played last year at 205. Um, he did say he's still learning how to run with the weight. Um, so, but he did, you know, on the flip side of that, he said that he's much stronger and, and he feels like he can shed blocks uh, more consistently at this new weight. So, uh, you know, linebacker to me is the biggest question mark on the team. And uh, it would be a big deal if Caleb Johnson can just honestly, like the level I just want to see is like above average. Um, if he can be above average, I think that's going to be a boost for this linebacker group. And maybe as the season progresses, uh, we see young guys step up and, and earn roles like Chase Smith and Wesley Bassane. Yeah. I mean, just kind of talking about Wesley Bassane. I mean, David, you mentioned earlier, I did the freshman notebook and, you know, it sounds to me like, and some of his peers, uh, you know, sort of expect him to, to get some run. Uh, you know, I think he posted that he's up over 210 pounds came in at 190. So, you know, I guess what, I mean, he's, he's another one that's put on another freshman that's put on 20 pounds um, at least. And, you know, again, uh, this is a guy that was one of the best players in Dade County. I think uh, one of those kind of unique mentality guys, and even just talking to Caleb Johnson, uh, you know, he's a, a very experienced college guy. He's been around for, you know, he was at Texas for a little bit. Uh, he was at UCLA for a few years now at Miami. I mean, he's seen a lot of different guys come in and, you know, he said Wesley's one of the one of the freshmen that's furthest along of anyone that he's seen, uh, you know, over the course of his college career. He said he got here and uh, he was kind of like taken back by the fact that he was a true freshman because he just kind of understands the defense and he understands the position so well. And he didn't necessarily yeah. expect that from a first year guy. And, uh, you know, even talking to Corey Flagg, it sounds like he's been working at, uh, you know, the Will and the Sam spots. Uh, you know, Wesley Bassain has been. And, you know, so maybe just maybe some of those outside linebacker spots. Um, you know, that's uh, what Corey Flagg was talking about. So I think a lot of those guys expect him to, you know, kind of get some run and, and you know, to help them out in, in Charlie Strong's room. Yeah, Wesley's a stud. So it's just a matter of time. It, uh, but we'll see how that all shakes out because um, he's got to earn it. Defensive back. Um, this is an interesting group to me because it's a group that allows Miami to be multiple on the back end. And I'm curious just how they puzzle piece it all together. And frankly, they could go with different looks for different situations. Um, you know, I think it's, it's big to note that Tyreek Stevenson is healthy, ready to go. He was limited all of the spring. Uh, he's fully healthy. He said he broke his own squat record, um, you know, defensive back all-time squat record at UM, which is crazy because Miami's had some monster defensive backs, of course, in the program history. He squatted 550 this summer. Uh, last year, wow. he squatted 465. So, you know, we all know Tyreek's a physical specimen. Um, I pushed on J Jamile Adai about, you know, 
Is he a guy that can play multiple spots in the secondary? Because there is buzz that he's going to get some looks at the star position. And Jamal was just like, yeah. And then I said, you know, do you think you'll, you'll explore those options with Tyreek? And he was like, possibly. So, um, <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to tell us, but I, I think, I think we're going to see Tyreek moved around, uh, you know, maybe play a little on the outside, maybe play the star spot, which I think is good. Cause I, I think he is a guy that you can use as a weapon like that. Um, James Williams seems confident going into year two. Uh, I didn't really get around Camp Kitchens much, but um, people inside the program continue to love him for his, uh, you know, mind, kind of a coach on the field type of guy. And uh, one thing I think worth noting too, he's kind of a forgotten guy, but Al Blades, you know, he's he's kind of an inspiring guy um, with what he's been through here the last two years or so working his way back to the field. He's excited. He's ready to go, ready to just contribute in any way possible, whether that's corner or safety. Another versatile guy that could play many different spots. But overall, Gabby, I think this is a group that has talent. Um, they just got to figure out the right spots to put guys and figure out like, okay, does it make sense for us to have three safeties on the field you know, being James, Avante, Cam at the same time, uh, which corner combinations make the most sense, et cetera, because they got options. They just got to pick the right guys. How about from a freshman standpoint? Is there any like DB standing out when you talk to people? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple probably got the, you know, just kind of talking to people that stood out maybe the most. Uh, I mean, Jaden Harris is a guy that I think of all the defensive backs they signed might have been the lowest ranked. Uh, you know, in 89 and, you know, I've heard he's like one of the fastest players on the team. Like if not the fastest player, I mean, we were talking about the, the GPS thing that they use. I think he was, was above that 23 mile per hour mark, which is kind of wild. Um, wow. He's a yeah. I mean, he's, he's thick. A, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, Oh, for sure. I mean, I was going to say like, I think he's kind of in that Tyreek Stevenson mold where he's going to be playing some, you know, star and uh, you know, I, I know he's learning star and corner. And I think he's someone that, you know, could eventually maybe down the line factor in as, at star for Miami. Cause uh, you know, he is a, he is a thick kid, but he can definitely run. And, you know, I think that's what Miami saw on tape from him again, a kid that kind of flew under the radar a little bit in that Atlanta area. Um, but I think he can be, end up being one of the gems in this class. Cause he is he's a mature, you know, guy too, right? He's like super mature. Yeah. He came in like, you know, instead, you know, his senior year spring break, instead of, you know, going and hanging out with his friends somewhere, you know, his last year of high school, he came down to Miami and spent the entire week and a half. I think he had, in Coral Gables, watching the spring practices, sitting in on team meetings and, you know, doing all that stuff. Like he felt like when, by the time he got here, it wasn't day one for him. You know, he felt like he had been around the program and all that type of stuff. Super mature kid, definitely has a good head on his shoulders, works super hard. And, you know, I think that he stood out for sure. Um, another one that, you know, talking to, to coach Adai is Markeith Williams, uh, you know, kind of talking about how he has all the skill sets of, uh, you know, of what a defensive backs coach wants. Uh, he believes he's going to be able to be as good as he wants to be because he has that drive. Uh, you know, he says there's nothing he can't do on the field. He's a, you know, he's a willing participant is what he call is what he described him as. And, uh, you know, he just, he says that he has a lot of tools that he can refine. He said he's, he's not fixing a lot with Marquise Williams. He's, he's just refining some stuff. He doesn't have to eradicate bad habits. He just has to, continue to work on what he's already sort of building towards. So, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of high praise for Markeith Williams, which again is a, 
is really big yeah. because, you know, Miami has stacked, you know, we're talking about stacking talent and how important that is. I think that they've done a really good job of that at the safety position, you know, from Avante Williams to James Williams to Cameron Kitchens, Markeith Williams, you know, I think that they continue to do, you know, build that position well. And, you know, I asked him like, how far away do you feel like this room is from being baby where you would want it to be? And he's like, you know, you know, that we, we inherited a lot of really good pieces at defensive back. So I think he's excited as a guy coming from Georgia who obviously has a high expectation. I think he likes where the room is in general from a talent standpoint, which is a, a big deal. Right. Yeah. I mean, Markeith, you know, pound for pound, he was, he was as impressive as any safety in the country in the last cycle. Yeah. But the issue again, pound for pound, he, he's just a thinner frame yeah. guy. Yeah, he's like a buck, a buck 75 maybe. Right. So, you know, he's got to just, it take, you know, not everyone's on the same developmental timeline. So uh, once he gets his weight up probably a year away, but you know, he definitely has the traits to be a well-rounded, good starting safety when it is his time. Um, defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele. Thing I love about him, Gabby is just he's old school, no nonsense approach. Um, he kind of made it clear, you know, look, if, if players aren't executing, we're not afraid to yank them and we'll try to find someone who can find answers for us. Uh, he's confident that the tackling issues from last year uh, won't be there this year. He's really preaching gang tackling. Uh, and he said he saw an improvement in that regard during the course of the spring, of course, like any old school coach, still plenty to work on all that good stuff. But to me, he's just a guy that's going to raise the standard. I feel like on that side of the ball, the accountability kind of slipped a little bit in the last year. Um, and so, you know, Kevin Steele, Mario Cristobal, that whole defensive staff, they're going to hold guys accountable. And I think the players are here for it. You know, guys like James Williams, guys like Tyreek Stevenson, Vontae um, Cam, they want to be pushed. They want to be held to that high standard. So um, to me, this side of the ball, it, you know, it's, it's really simple. Can they tackle better? Uh, hold guys accountable. Um, and if, if those things fall into place, this defense going to get more consistent just off those things alone. You know, we can get into the weeds of like how the schemes are going to be different and all that, but really, you know, the team, the def, the guys just need to uh, make the easy plays that they did not make last year. Um, and also the depth is just much better. You know, uh, guys are going to get hurt during the course of a season. Guys get tired during the course of a game. Uh, and I feel like this year's defense the, the drop-off from uh, starter to backup is not nearly as drastic as it was last year. So, and, you know, look, you look at the losses last year, I think I've said this, but, like, the losses last year, I think Miami gave up something like 37 points per game in those losses. So, um, you know, I think against the good teams, it's acceptable to give up 28 to 31 points in a game, um, but you can't be doing that you know, that 37 points per game mark, it's going to be hard to beat anyone, uh, even when you have a good quarterback like Tyler Van Dyke. But uh, let's go to this, Gabby, and we'll get off. We'll we'll kind of end it close to this. Um, ball camp will be a success on offense if, and just give me one thing. If 
a wide receiver separates himself. Agreed. I'm in the same boat. Defense is a success if. That's interesting. Defense is a success if. Hmm. I mean, I would probably say if Mitchell, if Mitchell Gude shows he's going to be like a big time pass rusher, I think that would be a big, 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 I think that would be something big to know. I'll go Caleb Johnson. Like Caleb Johnson, yeah. just be, be better than what we saw last year yeah. um, in terms of Miami's middle linebacker play. Um, record going into fall camp. Like what record are you projecting right now going into the season? We haven't seen these guys practice yet, so we can change our minds after what we see, good or bad. Um, but what are you feeling like right now with Miami's end of regular season record? Yeah, I think I'm probably leaning towards like nine and three right now. I think that yeah. that's I think that's a fair range for them right now. I think eight like the eight and a half over under is probably the funny spot. Yeah, I would go nine as well. Um, and again, if I think if Miami, if a receiver, like if we start hearing yo know, Frank Ladson or Keyshawn Smith or even like Jacoby George or Romello Brinson is out here balling, I I would feel comfortable maybe pushing that to ten. Um, but that's kind of a big if, honestly, right now. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be an exciting time. Camp starts Friday. Check out InsideTheU.com. We'll have plenty of updates as things roll in. Uh, give our observations, gives our thoughts. Before we get out of here, Gabby, let's do a quick recruiting minute. Uh, Connor Liu, offensive lineman out of Georgia, set to announce soon. What are the vibes there? I mean, I, I mean, I think Miami's in a really good spot there. Uh, you know, just I feel like Auburn was kind of became the team that people were watching. But you know, I, I know over the past couple of weeks, Miami's been behind the scenes there, just kind of chipping away. And people saw the Georgias and the Clemsons and thought. You know, he probably really would go to one of those. But, you know, I think Miami's made him a top priority after, you know, talking to people, you know, just kind of familiar with everything's going going on. It, you know, they view Connor Liu as probably the best center prospect in the country. And, uh, you know, again, that they've been so, someone that they've been really prioritizing, even dating back to the spring. So um, I, I, I like where Miami's at right now. I think they're in a good position to, to land that commitment on Friday. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. If I'm... If I, I wrote a who could be next to commit earlier this weekend, Connor Liu was the first name I put up on there. So I'm expecting it to be him. All right. Good stuff. Recruiting never stops. Football is in the air. Love it. Best time of year. And uh, appreciate everyone listening. Until next time, take care. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.